Hello everyone, welcome to Summit Church Fenton. I'm so glad you've joined me today and I look forward to sharing the Word of God with you. I'm conducting a series titled Jesus the Great Storyteller. And in this series, what we're doing is we're studying the parables of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, a parable is a natural story that illustrates a spiritual truth. And uh, we, we can learn much about the kingdom of heaven uh, by studying Jesus' parables, because in many of his parables, he would start the parable by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like unto. So much can be learned about how the kingdom of heaven, or you could say the kingdom of God, operates by studying the parables of Jesus. Also, uh, the Old Testament says that, that, the, that the Messiah would come, he would open his mouth in parables and reveal things that had been kept secret from the foundation of, of the earth. So uh, uh, good reason right there to study the parables of Jesus. So we've, we've uh, been into this series now for several weeks. If you've missed any of the previous sessions, I'd like to invite you to go back into our archives and catch up on anything that you've missed. Uh, it's all there for you for free. So that, you know, if, you, if you've missed anything, you'd like to, to go back and listen and get caught up. Uh, I'd welcome you to do that. Now, uh, last week, uh, I taught on the uh, parable of the minas and the talents. And it was uh, sort of a setup for uh, what we're going to get into today. We're going to talk about the parable uh, that Jesus gave concerning the rich fool the parable about the rich fool. And in, in this lesson today, and we may have to do this one in two parts. We'll just see as we go. We may have to conclude it next week. But uh, uh, we're going to look at the parable of the rich fool and some of the pitfalls of, of, of riches. Some of the pitfalls of riches. But before I actually get into the, the parable of the rich fool, I want you to recall uh, in the first parable that we that that I taught, which uh, was the parable of the sower, and again that's in our archives. If you've missed it, I did that in a couple of parts. But uh, before I get to the parable of the rich fool, I want to just call to your remembrance the parable of the sower, where Jesus talked about the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. Think about that. The deceitfulness of riches and. Of course, one might ask the question, how can riches deceive us? How can, how can, how can money, how can material wealth and material possessions deceive us? And I, I suppose much could be said, but I think, uh, simply put, you know, think about riches. Think about what, what that, what they, what they tell us. Think about what money tells us and material wealth tells us. It tells us, you know, money will tell us that it can buy for us what only God can ultimately provide. Now, now you think about that. Money will tell us that it can buy for us love. But did you know money cannot buy love? You know, it's like I just thought of the old Beatles song, Money can't buy me love. Well, you know, they, I disagree with just about everything the Beatles said and did. But I tell you what, that, that's one thing they got right. Money can't buy me love. Money cannot buy true love. It just can't. Uh, it, it just can't. It can't buy true love. You know, I know that if somebody, you know, like if a fella has a lot of money, he may, 
he may not be the best looking guy in the world, but it seems like if he's got a lot of money, there's, there's a lot of times a lot of, a lot of good looking gals that'll be after him, but they're not really after him. They're after his money. But, you know, it, so it may be able to buy him, you know, some kind of companionship on whatever level, but it cannot buy true love. It just can't. There's not enough money in the world that can buy true love, but yet money will tell you that it can buy you love, but money can't. See, that's how money can, that's one way it can deceive a person. You know, they think they can buy love with it. Or here's another one. Uh, Money will deceive us in that it'll tell us it can buy us uh, joy or happiness. You know, and I've heard people say, oh, if I had a whole lot of money, I'd just be so happy. But, you know, I've watched people over, over time. People that have said that, and and in the process of time, they, you know, they they get a lot of money, and they're no happier with the money than they were before they had the money. In fact, in many cases, after people get a lot of money, those same people said that you know, money make me, you know, make me happy. Those people are actually a lot of them are more miserable after they get a lot of money than they than they had beforehand you know it as well as i do look at look at a lot of the people that have won those big lotteries and you know they win you know tens of millions of dollars or whatever you know hundreds of billions of dollars and some of those people you look at them years later and and they're they're just they're bankrupted their their life is a disaster you know a verse that comes to mind says that prosperity will destroy a fool and a lot of people, a lot of people just can't handle money. But that, but without going on on with with that, I just want to say that money can deceive us, and that it can tell us that it could buy us love, it could buy us happiness. But money can't buy you love, as I've already said. It can't buy you uh, happiness. It can't buy you peace and joy and tranquility. Not ultimately it can't, it just can't. But you see, a lot of people are deceived by that. They think that, they think that, that money can buy them those things. And so they go after the money, thinking that the money can get them, again, what only ultimately God can provide. Only God can really give you true love. You know, I mean, I mean, you know what I mean? The, the uh, I mean, let me clarify that. I mean, we like my wife. I mean, I found my true love. I mean, the love of my life. And as she wasn't interested in me because of any money I had or didn't have, she loved me for me. And the same goes back to her. I, I didn't love her because of any money she has, has or didn't have. Actually, neither one of us had very much when we, when we got together. We did, so our relationship doesn't have anything to do with money. We love one another and there's not enough money in the world that could buy what my wife and I have for each other. And of course, God loves us. But the, what I'm trying to say is money will cry out at us and say, well, you know, say, get me and, I, and I'll provide you love. I'll provide you joy. I'll provide you tranquility and peace and happiness. But many people are deceived by that because ultimately money cannot buy you those sorts of things. And again, you know, you know, I think of, of different, different like movie stars or, or rock stars or, you know, people who had just, just millions and millions and millions of dollars. And, and you just think about it. They look at how so many of them wind up. So many of them wind up miserable, you know, sick, dying young, you know, they had all the fame, all the fortune, you know, money, more money than they could spend. A lot of them wind up losing, losing it. 
I never have understood how, how come people, you know, they can make, you know, tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars. And they, I've talked to some big name people you see on television and they wind up broke. Uh, but I, I think the answer to that is, you know, they have more going out than what's coming in. It doesn't matter how much you make. If, if more is going out than what's coming in, you, I mean, you, you've got a problem, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you you know and, and and you know the more you make the more you spend I mean you still wind up broken behind but the point is a lot of those people some of the most famous people I think of Elvis Presley somebody that I'm a big fan of of his music and and what a talent but you think about him and I'm not picking on him because I'm I'm a fan I what a what a talent but look at how at 42 years old. He's dead and just, just, and you look at him and I've studied his life. You look at how miserable he was and how lonely he was and, and he had all that money and fame and fortune and, and, and really what he, what he died, he didn't have near as much money as what he, what, as what somebody like that you'd think they have. But the point is riches, money, I mean, you know, people go after, after the riches and the money and they're deceived. Because once they get the riches and the money, they find, they find out that it cannot buy them what it screamed out at them, so to speak, telling them that, that they could have if they'd get it. You understand? So money can be very, very deceptive. Now, I will say this. I'm not against having money. The Bible's not against having money. And this will bear itself out as we go. The Bible is against money having us. And we'll see that as we go. But you look into the Bible, you see that God blesses people. He blesses people. He doesn't make everybody a millionaire, you know, and, and all of that, as some of the hyper-prosperity preachers preach. See, I'm a prosperity preacher. I just, I don't preach the hyper stuff. You know, you put in a dollar, you get out a hundred. You know, you, you, you know, you're going to have all, you know, have all this rich, all these riches and things. I just, I, I, I don't see it, but I do know that if you'll be faithful to God, he'll be faithful to you. And you get to a point that, that all your needs will be met, not only met, but you'll be running over with blessings. So you can, can have enough for yourself and enough left over to help other people. But, uh, 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 but you know, I'm not against having money. You know, God's blessed me financially, you know, really he has. But you see what, 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 what the Bible is against is when money has us and that'll bear itself out as, as we go. But I like what one guy said. I think it was the golfer Lee Trevino. He was a kind of a comical character. It still is. I think he may have coined this phrase. I'm not sure, but whatever. I like him. He's <laughs> I like him. He's known as the Merry Mex. You know, he's a Mexican uh, uh, heritage, a, a fantastic golfer, one of the best golfers that's ever played. And, but he said this. I and I don't know if this is original with him or not. But he said I've been. He said he said I've been rich and I've been poor. And he said, rich is better. <laughs> and, and I say amen to that. It is. I mean, poverty, financial poverty is a curse. It, it just is. And you, it is in the Bible. And, and, you know, anytime you hear some preacher get up and preach that, you know, God wants you broke and doesn't want you to have much and, 
and and all of that they that that minister has not renewed his mind to the word of god or he hasn't been reading the same bible i've been reading because because uh financial uh poverty that's a curse god doesn't want anybody to be broke he wants people to be blessed financially he really does but there again let me say this you can have all the money in the world but if you got if you don't have it, let's say you have all the money in the world but you're not born again and you're going to hell when you die that's not prosperity you know you could have all the money in the world and be tormented in your in your soul that's not prosperity you can have all the money in the world and be sick in body and thank god money can buy medical attention and 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 money can afford you you know medical procedures that maybe others might not have access to but but you know as well as i do there's there's a lot of things that that medical science can't cure and somebody gets a terminal illness that that medical science can't address or help you could have all the money in the world and, and it, it, is that person really prosperous if if if, if they have a terminal illness you know, and we could, we could go on and on. So, uh, you know, but yeah, having money is great. But, but again, like I said earlier, money can be very deceptive in that it can tell you, it'll tell you that it can get you things that it ultimately can't, that only God can get in the area of healing. There's some things that there's a lot of areas, money, all the medical doctors in the world can't help you with, but God is the great physician and he could heal anything. So, but like Lee Trevito said, I've been rich, I've been poor, being rich is better, and, and, and it is, and, and, and it is. And so I'm all for having financial prosperity, absolutely. We just don't want to let the money have us. But I think, you know, the Apostle Paul, he, he, he made this statement in, in the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. He said, not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. And you know, that's, that's really a, a great statement there. He, he goes on to say, I know how to be abased and, and I know how to abound. You know, in whatever state I am, I've learned to be content. Uh, he said, we're everywhere and in all things I have learned to be full. He, he said, he said, everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to, to abound and to suffer need. So what he was saying is he's been, <laughs> what he was saying is he, he's been rich and he's been poor, you know, and what, and he didn't go on and say being rich is better, but he said that whatever, but in whatever state he'd find himself, he learned to be content. I think the Bible says, uh, uh, godliness with contentment is great gain. And so, so whatever state you're in, if you're listening to me out there and you've got a lot of money in the bank or you don't, you, you learn to be content and something you have to learn, something you have to, 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 to do. Like he said, I've learned to be content. We, we, we have to, uh, let me just read this again. Not that I speak in regard to need for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. That's what, that's the key to it. I mean, there's been times in my life where I didn't have a whole lot, uh, a whole lot of finances. And then there's other times, you know, that, that, you know, that I've had a lot of finances and God's blessed me and my wife. But you know what? In, in whatever state that her and I has been in, we've, we've, we've been content because we had God and have God and have each other. 
And, uh, and then he goes on to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So whatever state you're in, you're content. But, but uh, just talking about how riches can deceive us, we, we just need to be sure that we don't let money deceive us. And just, just be sure that whatever state we're in to be content. And this will bear itself out as we go along. But uh, just saying some introductory things here before I get to the parable of the rich, of the rich fool. But, uh, you know, because we live in an economic world system, we must have money to operate. We must have money to operate. We just do. I mean, uh, you know, you, you got to have money to operate. I don't care what facet of life you, you, you're involved with. You have to have money to operate because we live in this world system and it's an economic system. We have to have money to operate. And I keep going to this and I want to say it again. Jimmy Stewart told Clarence on A Wonderful Life when Clarence, that angel, said, you know, we don't use money up in heaven. And Jimmy Stewart says, it comes in pretty handy down here, bub. And he's right. You've got to have money to operate. Um but, you know, as I move on here, I want to say something else about Jimmy Stewart that I have never said, but it's been, it's been in that movie all along. I just never really looked at it, but I, but, but I think it bears bringing out here. You think about George Bailey, you know, Jimmy Stewart was playing him in A Wonderful Life. What was he going to do right near the end of the, right near the end of the movie before Clarence showed up? you know, before he showed up there, you know, on, on the scene. What was Jimmy Stewart going to do in A Wonderful Life right there, you know, I guess right right at the beginning of, of I guess, the last fourth of the movie. What was he going to do because of a lack of money? Remember Uncle Billy, and by the way, don't ever let people like Uncle Billy handle your money. I mean, Uncle Billy was a nice guy. I like Uncle Billy and all that, but you just, you know, I've learned there's some people you just can't let them handle, <laughs> handle, handle money. It just, it just, that's just the way it is. Uncle Billy should have never been handling, uh, at least not that kind of sum of money. You know, that was $8,000 back in that day. I don't know how much it'd be today. Maybe 80000 I don't know. I don't know. But you can't let Uncle Billy handle money. If you don't know what I mean by that, go back and look at that movie and you'll see. But remember, he he uh, misplaced that $8,000. Actually, he gave it to Mr. Potter and he didn't realize what he had done. And of course, Potter was a thief. But nonetheless, the 8000 is gone and, and they can't find it anywhere. What was Jimmy Stewart going to do? What was he going to do because of that lack of money? Well, he was going to commit suicide, wasn't he? Absolutely. And uh, he was going to commit suicide over the loss of that money. Do you know there's a lot of people have committed suicide because they've lost their fortune or because they've lost a lot of money? Absolutely. And, uh, 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 you know, in some ways it's understandable. You know, if somebody loses their fortune, I guess I could understand why somebody would, 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 want to end their life, you know, it's because all the money's gone, you know, uh, they're going to have a lifestyle change now instead of living in the, in the palace, they're going to have to go live, you know, who knows where they're going to wind up living and loss of status, loss of power. Many people, they're, they, they're, they put all of their identity into their, into their financial 
status and, and they lose their fortune. You know, you think about, you know, people, I think back when the stock market crash of 29 happened, I think there was some people that, that jumped out the windows there. And I, I don't think it was as many as what, what, what some think, but there was some people, at least one or maybe more that jumped out the windows when they lost. They're in New York. They jumped, jumped to their desk because they lost their, their money. And, uh, uh, so, so I can understand where, where, uh, uh, people would, um, uh, you know, want to end their life because they lost all their money. It's understandable, but, but what's hard, what's harder to understand is, and we need to, and this is where I'm trying to get to on this, is that, uh, there's something spiritual about money and you need to understand that. You need to realize it. Money is it, there's far more to it than just than, than just the the paper or just the the coins that you have in your pocket. You see, we, we're we're spirit beings and we're also physical beings. We are spirit beings that live in physical bodies, and we operate in this physical realm, and we do so to a great extent by using money because money is the medium of exchange. And you need to realize that there's a linkage between the natural realm and the spirit realm through the medium of exchange, which is money. And, 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 and there's a spiritual aspect to money that few really realize. And uh, if you really think about it, money in and of itself carries no value. Now think about this. Talking about how money is spiritual. Money in and of itself, uh, if you pull out a $20 bill, I mean, think about that $20 bill. You know, in and of itself, it's, it's just paper. But it becomes valuable when people, think about this, put their trust in that, in that money. And that's why it can be used as a medium of, of exchange because, because everybody trusts it and honors it as being valuable. Now you think about that. If you took a sheet of typing paper to the store to buy food and you go in there and you get the food up and you take that sheet of typing paper and hand it to the clerk, they're, they're, they're not gonna, you're not going to be able to buy that food with that sheet of typing paper, much like what these notes are written on, because there, nobody has put trust in that paper but if you put if you put the greenbacks up there, everybody has accepted that as a medium of exchange, and people have put in their faith have put their faith and trust in it, and so so it 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 takes on because of that faith and trust that's been put in the monetary system, it takes on a spirituality about it. And I didn't realize this. I didn't realize this for years. Uh, uh, how much. Of a of a uh, uh, of a, of a hold, money could actually have on a person, and, and I didn't realize this. It, I didn't realize this back in the days when I didn't have too much. But as God has blessed me over the years, and uh, and and increased me financially, uh, I tell you what, you've got to be real careful, uh, because that money. There's there's a, there's there's a spirituality to it, and it can get a hold of you. 
It really can. I mean, it, it can get a hold of people. Did you know there's people that, 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 I mean, people that, how do I want to say it? Let me just put it this way. Money can get a hold of you. It just really, really, really can. And it can, it can, it can cause you to do things and say, say things that you thought you'd never do or say. Uh, but like I said, in my life, uh, and, and I, everybody's different, you know, uh, I, what my observation is a lot of times people, when they don't have money or much money, it gets a hold of them. That spirituality of money gets a hold of them. And they, and they, and they have that, that it's like a, a desire to, to be rich, you know, and again, riches can be deceiving because they can tell you that they can buy you things that, that they can't. But in my life, I noticed that that money didn't really. I, I, when I didn't have much, I never, I never really, money never really had that much. I guess uh, uh, I never sensed the the power it was trying to exercise over me. But once God had blessed me and I had more of it, I tell you what, you've got to be real careful, and, and I know I I do. Because what this all is going to come down to as we go through the rest of this session and next week, it comes down to trust. Where do you put your trust? Do you put your trust in God or do you put your trust in money? I mean, that's where this whole thing is going to come down to. It'll bear itself out as we go. See, God wants us, as I said, to have money. He just doesn't want money to have us. And, and when, when we're blessed with money and we have money and, and, and a good deal of it, I tell you what, you never, because you'll be faced with this test, I assure you that, of where are you going to put your trust? Where are you going to keep your trust? And I know in my life, when I did have much money, I, I mean, I always trusted God. But once God blessed me with money, you know, I, there came a time in my life where, I mean, and I have to deal with it even yet, that you, you, you know, you, you want to have that money. You need, you need to have that money to operate. It comes in pretty handy down here, bub. But you got to be real careful that you don't start putting your trust in it. Okay, well, and this will bear itself out as we go. But, but you need to realize that there is a, there's a spirituality about money. And, it, it'll, and it, again, the money in and of itself it's just paper. But when people, because people have, have accepted it as a medium of exchange and people put their trust in it. And, and I'll tell you what, uh, uh, it takes on a spiritual connotation to it and, and an aspect to it. And it can get a hold of you. It really can. It can drive you and it, it can, it can keep, I mean, you know, you get a lot of money. I mean, it can keep you up all at night worrying that you don't lose it. You know, I say I never thought about that when I did when I didn't have much. I'm just again being very open with you with you, but I think this openness can help people a lot of times. And also, too, one other thing I want to say about the spirituality of money. If you think about it, look in look in the Bible and look how people uh you know worship God. And one way they worship God, and we still do today, is we worship God with our tithes with our offerings you see it in the old testament you see it in the new testament and the worship is worship was offered to god and and it was with material blessing that people would worship god by giving that money to the to the temple or to the church or whatever the case 
And so there's a spiritual aspect about money that most people don't don't really realize. You know, that that's why when people lose it, when you come right down to it, a lot of them will jump out a window and commit suicide. Now, there's other reasons, of course, but I mean, you boil it right down to the root because there's a spiritual spirituality to it that 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 can get a hold of people that most people aren't even aware of. I'm making you aware of it. It may help you. But as people worship God in the Bible, they would do it oft times with their finances or their, their material wealth. I remember uh, go back to the to the first offering we see in the Bible that I'm aware of was with with Abel, Cain and Abel. And remember, Abel brought the first and the best of his flock. So you see it right there. The first and the best. It was a material possession that he had that he offered to God. David, King David, when he uh, that that field or whatever that he said, he, he I, I don't know, somebody was going to give it to him or whatever. And he was going to build build the temple there or something or other. But you go back and read it. But he said, if I'm not mistaken, he said, I will not give God that which costs me nothing. You see, in in the worship to God, there, there, you know, the finances was given. And and you can see that there was there's a spirituality to money, in, even in the worship to God. And uh, and this will bear itself out even more so as as we go. You know, uh, let me just say this. A lot can be known about a person by the way they handle money. Now, I've learned this over the years. Uh, a lot can be learned about a person by the way they handle money. You know, I, I think back to last week when we talked about the parable of the uh, of the talents and the, and the minas, particularly the parable of, of the talents. That last guy there, remember, he took the money, he hid it in the ground, and he, he and he gave it back to the to the to his master, and and Jesus said he should have put the money at least in the bank and got interest, but then but then so, so he didn't handle the Lord's money properly, and it, it's interesting that at the end of that parable, and I closed up last week by saying that, that that guy got cast into hell, but yet as we study the Bible, we see that the mishandling of money wouldn't necessarily at all cause somebody to be thrown into hell. Uh, you know, we, heaven and hell is decided on what we do with Jesus. So why would that guy have been cast into hell? I, I'm just speculating here, but in that story, Jesus also called that guy who was unfaithful with that talent. Uh, he called him lazy, but he also called him wicked. And we know that the wicked are cast into hell. So perhaps in the handling of that money, there were some other things, and I'm just speculating here, perhaps there were some other things in his life that weren't right. <laughs> and I've learned this over the years, when people are mishandling money, almost without exception, there's other things in their life that aren't right. Absolutely. And uh, and, and so maybe that last week, I, I, I told you I didn't know why that guy would get cast into hell. I've been thinking about it this this week, and maybe that was a reason. Maybe the mishandling of the money was just a manifestation of some other things that were not right in his life. And I've learned from experience when people are mishandling money, there's usually that's that's just a manifestation of other things that aren't right in their life. And and uh, you know, and you think, well, you think about Judas Iscariot, you know, on Jesus' staff. I mean, he was the treasurer, and, and he was. Uh, uh, he was mishandling the money. He was stealing out of the bag, and he was a thief. And 
he didn't wind up well. But, but anyway, you can learn a lot about people by the way they handle money. But notice that Luke 16, let's go to Luke 16. Uh, uh, something else, I'm just trying to say some things to you before I actually get into this parable of the rich fool. A lot can, uh, as I said, can be known about a person by the way they handle money. Also, you need to realize this, material wealth can be served. Now, it shouldn't be served, but it can be served. Just like one would serve God, well, a person can serve material wealth that a lot of people do. Notice Luke 16, 13. Jesus said, no servant can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And the word mammon there means money or wealth or riches or material possessions. And so, so there again, Jesus said that no one, no servant can serve two masters because you're either going to be loyal to the one or to the other. You can't, you can't, you can't serve, serve both. Uh, you know, you can't serve, and he comes right out and says that you cannot serve God and money. Now, you can have both God and money. You just can't serve both. All right? And let me say this. Either money's going to have you or God's going to have you. <laughs> it's, 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 it's that simple. And like I said earlier, it all comes down to, as we'll see as we go through here this week and next, where are you, where are you putting your trust? Because a lot of times people think, well, you know, I either have to have God or I, or I could have money. But you read the Bible, God wants you to have both. Obviously, he wants you to have him. We want to have God, but God wants you to have money. He just doesn't want money to have you. And and how how can you tell, and, and, and I'll say something about this later, either this week or next, about how you can tell whether you've got money or money has you. But But you can tell right here, who are you serving? Who are you serving? You can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon and money. You're either going to serve God or you're going to serve money. But the best way is you can have them both. You just can't serve them both. But the point here is about servitude. You can't serve them both. And boy, have I watched people over the years serve money. Absolutely the truth. Pastoring almost 30, really, if you add it all up over 30 years, have I ever seen people bow their knee to money? And serve money and go after money. And I, if I started giving you example after example after example, we'd be here for a long time. And, and I learned a long time ago <laughs> that a lot of Christians love a whole lot of things more than they love God. <laughs> they just do. Sad to say. And, and I've watched so many of them serve serve the what the quote unquote Almighty Dollar. No, we need to serve the Almighty God. But money can be served. Financial wealth, financial prosperity can be served. And and uh, I, I, I don't know, maybe one example of this is I heard one person tell me one time, because they had they hadn't been at, at, at church in a while, and, and whenever somebody didn't come to church, you know, they were hooked up with us, and, and then you didn't see them for a while. After so many weeks, I'd reach out, check on them. And one person told me, they said, uh, I don't know, in the conversation, they, they, they said, you know, I've got, to, I've got to get up every day, you know, at 530 and go to work. 
but I don't have to get up and come to church. Now, I mean, so I understood what they were saying, but but you really think through that. I mean, you really think through that. What were they really saying? They were saying that they're serving money and they weren't serving God. Now you think about that. And, and, uh, and, and I understand you, you got to go do that five day a week job to pay your bills. And I get that. Absolutely. But, but when they said, well, I have to get up, I have, have, H-A-V-E, I have to get up and go to work, but I don't have to get up and come to church. What they were really saying is, is they were serving, they were serving money. Now you think about that, and I could talk about this for a long time and never never finish my message here, but uh, just realize that money can be served. Don't serve it. Don't serve money. Actually, money ought to be serving you. You shouldn't be serving it. Money, it, it, it should be a tool that we use to serve God. And that we worship God with, we you know at, you see it in the Bible, and and we use it as a tool to to meet our needs and to afford us what we what you know not only what we need but things that we want. God, God you know the Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. See God, I mean He not only wants to meet your needs, but He want, wants to meet your wants, and He wants you to have nice things. Absolutely, he just doesn't want those things to have you. I mean, God wants to bless people financially. He really, really does. He wants to bless bless preachers, non-preachers, everybody. He wants people blessed financially. He just doesn't want that financial blessing to have you. And, and, and so get this, at least up to this point, get this. There's a spirituality about money. And, and, and don't let it get a hold of you. And don't serve it. Don't serve it. Be sure it doesn't have you. Be sure that you have it and that it serves you. Do you, you get that? Now, something else here, look at Matthew 6, uh, that was Luke 16, 13, but now look at Matthew 6, verse 19, and we're going to see that there is such a close linkage between money and our hearts, between money and our hearts. Notice here, Matthew 6, verse 19, Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth, moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, he was not saying that we should not be savers. Because if you read the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs tells us that we ought to be savers. We ought to be diligent. We ought to, we ought to be workers. We ought to be savers. We ought to be givers. We ought to be doing all of it. What 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 he was talking about here is is trust. When when you really study into it, you see what he was talking about. He was talking about trust because I've had people come up to me and, and read these verses and say, "So the Lord says we we shouldn't lay up anything down here on the earth. We should have it all laid up in heaven." Well, like I said, you know, I mean, we, we ought to be tithers, givers, and, and, and blessing God with our talents, our time, and prayer, and all of that. And, and, and I do believe that, you know, 
we, we can store up treasures in heaven. Absolutely, Jesus said to store up treasures in heaven. He wasn't saying that we shouldn't have material possessions down here. I believe that this is best explained by where you put your trust. Where you put your trust. Where you put your trust. Okay, because you know as well as I do, I want to reiterate it. You study the book of Proverbs and elsewhere, we can see that we're supposed to to uh, 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 lay up, like in the book of Proverbs, it, it tells us to consider the ant, I believe it is, and how, how the ant is diligent about storing up, you know, for the, for the winter or whatever. I mean, we're supposed to, to be savers and have, the Bible talks about that God will bless our, in the book of Malachi, our storehouses. You know, you see in the, you see in the, uh, these are just coming to me as I'm standing here, uh, with Joseph, how God gave him that dream, how they were going to have seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine and that they were supposed to store up in the years of plenty. So they had, uh, food in the years of famine. So this, he's not saying that we shouldn't have anything stored here on the earth. He, the implication is don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. In other words, I guess we could say, he says, where, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. See, ultimately, we'll see a scripture on this next week, that eventually all the money, all the gold, all the silver, all of that is going to be cankered anyway. I mean, eventually, and in the end, be worthless anyway. So he, what he's talking here about, I believe, is trust. Where is your trust? Where is your heart? Okay, so he says, don't lay up. He said, don't lay up treasures on earth, but lay up treasures in heaven. Because then in verse 21 is, is where, where, is where I want to get here. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I mean, I mean, a truer statement has never been made. I mean, of course, this is Jesus talking, so he's God talking. It's absolutely the truth. But it, oh my gosh. I mean, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I mean, your heart, we're talking about money being spiritual. I mean, your heart is linked to your money. Absolutely. It just is. I mean, your heart is linked to your money. Because we're spirit beings, but we're also spirit beings that live in these natural bodies, as I said. And, and so we're, our spirits are linked to the natural realm and the medium of exchange in the natural realm is finances. And if you want to, if you want to, you know, uh, uh, operate in the natural realm, you understand to any degree, uh, you have to have finances. So our heart, you need to realize this. Money can be served. We talked about that. It's spiritual, a spiritual aspect to it. And, 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 and your heart, is linked to your money. I mean, it just is. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, and, you know, you think about it and, and it's so true. It's so true. What I, I, I heard this said many years ago by an excellent minister. It's so true. He said, uh, <laughs> I've watched it. It's true. It's just as true for me as it is for you or anybody. He said, if you want to see, you know, where your heart is. He said, get your checkbook or get your credit card statement or whatever it is that you, how you do, you know, he said, but this guy said, get your checkbook. Cause he, I heard him say this many years ago when people weren't using credit cards like, like they do now. He said, get your checkbook, open it up and look at the checkbook ledger and see where you've been put your money. 
And he said, you can see right where your heart is. Absolutely the truth. Absolutely the truth. And, and in pastor three decades, three decades, I've watched, I mean, you know, people have, you know, I mean, you just, I mean, you can see if somebody's heart is really in the house of God by how much money they put into it. How much, yes, how much time, how much of their talents, but also M-O-N-E-Y, how much of the green stuff they put into the house of God. Absolutely. You could really track a person's heart by tracking their money. And uh, like over the years, I said very little about money. In all the years of pastoring, and God met every need and abundantly. I never have pressured a person for a penny. Never have, never will. Uh, but but you watch people. You know, I have a hat that I wear that's got an O on it. That O stands for observer. And I've observed a lot over the years. And I watched a whole lot of people, you know, not put put hardly any money in, in into the work of God. And it tells you that their heart isn't there. And, and frankly, I'll go you one more. I've even seen people, this is so true, I've seen people come to church regularly, but never put anything in. Not that I'm looking, not that I'm, I'm I only had the Lord on, uh, I guess there was two two occasions, told me privately to go look at somebody's given register. It spoke to my heart right on the inside, and and because I did I didn't want to know who gave what, but but I mean, the one guy I'll just put it to you this way: he was there every week, but his heart really wasn't ever with the church. It just it just wasn't. And uh, I looked at the register, and I mean, I had people in, I had little kids in Sunday school putting more money in there than uh that he was in into the church and i'll tell you what he was there in his physical body was there he sat there he took up the air conditioning or the heating he took up the seat he sat there you know he'd crab and complain his fair share <laughs> but so he said oh yeah he's a great church member well he was there physically but his heart really wasn't there how do you know that because his money wasn't i mean he was he there's no way he was a tither or a giver Okay, so you track people, you track track their heart by looking at their money. I can track you by looking at where your heart is by looking at your money. You can track me where my heart is by looking at my money. Was the old saying, put your money where your mouth is? Well, we can track our hearts by looking at, at our money. Our heart will follow our money. It, I guess you could say it the other way. Our money will follow our heart. Wherever, what's ever important to you, that's where, that's where your, your, your money's going. You know, I've watched I've watched people put you know thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of dollars into a hobby or into this or that or the other, and 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 put hardly nothing into the church of into the church. Not that I was looking, but I wasn't. But I'm just telling you, where's where, you know, where's your heart? Where's my heart? Well, if you really want to know. You know, where's the money, right? Huh? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Oh, I just love you, Pastor. I love the church. Oh, I just love, love, I love it. Oh, well, you know, 
where is your, you know, it's going to say, if you didn't know me, you'd think, well, he's after money. I'm not after money. I, like I said, I've never asked people. All I ever did was receive an offering with no pressure. <laughs> and now if you've ever noticed I, on these, on these uh, videos, I, I, I don't ever, we don't ever receive an offering. I mean, God's blessed me. I, I'm at a point. I don't, I don't need you to give a penny, not a nickel, not a dime. God's blessed me. You know, and if you want to give something, that's up to you. You know, I like, I like me, I like with it, there being no pressure at all if somebody gives or somebody doesn't. And, and you know, I'll just say one thing good about myself is over the many years, I never let uh, 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 somebody in the church that had a lot of money, I never, I, I preached the word of God. If it offended him, it offended him. If it didn't, it didn't. I didn't want to offend anybody, but I never altered my sermons to curtail to some, you know, somebody in the church that, that, you know, was apparent they were putting a lot of money in. No, you preach the word of God. If, you know, if people's toes get stepped on, I don't care what kind of money they have or don't have. It's the word of God, you know. Can you say amen? Anyway, well, I didn't intend to say a lot of that stuff, but maybe it'll help somebody. Uh, but where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now I'm going to close with where I thought I was going to start. I'm going to close with this parable and then we'll pick up here next week and finish this, uh, this, this, uh, part of the, of the, uh, rich fool. Let's, let's, let's close with this parable. I just felt impressed. I needed to talk about these other things before I got to the parable. So like I said, I trust it's done you some good, but look at this Luke 12 verse 16. Then Jesus spoke a parable to them saying, studying about the parables of Jesus. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater and there I'll store my crops and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool. Now, you don't want God calling you a fool. <laughs> the Bible says that the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. That's why when people say there is no God, I don't want to debate somebody like that because they just admitted to me they're a fool. Why do I want to debate a fool? <laughs> But he calls him a fool. You know what? God calling you a fool. Now, this guy had a lot of money. He had a lot of, 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 of financial prosperity, a lot of, of financial wealth here. But God's calling him a fool. Now, that's not a prosperous position to be in. Now, the, to the world, it looks very prosperous, very successful. But we don't go by what the world says. We go by what God says, and God's vote's the only one that counts. And God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. That means he was going to die that night. And the implication is clear. God called him a fool. He's going to hell. Now you think about that. You think about that. Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which, which you have provided? I had all that, all that wealth so much that he had stored up. He could live 
no doubt that he said many years, but he may have been well been able to live just who knows how long and never have to work, never have to trust God, never have to do anything else. Just he's got so much that it'll sustain him on out, just on out. Except now God says, fool, this man's getting ready with all those barns filled with, you know, so, so much he's going he's gonna to build bigger and, and more. But that night he's going to die and he's going to go to hell. You think about that. And then Jesus says, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. See, this man was not rich toward God. He wasn't trusting God. He was trusting in his money. He was trusting in the power of his own hands and what it had done. And now he had so much, he didn't know what to do with it all. So he's got to build bigger and he's got much to go on for the rest, for years on down the road. He might have had enough there to go on another, you know, 100 years, who knows. But God says, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. And he's headed to hell. And then he says, so is he who lays up treasure for himself. See, see, this man was only interested in himself. He was only interested in provision for himself. He wasn't interested in the poor. He wasn't interested in the work of God. He wasn't interested in helping anybody else. He was just interested in himself. And he was not rich toward God. And this will bear itself out more as we get into next week's lesson. But he was not rich toward God. So he had all this material blessing Enough to go on for, you know, decades and decades of time, I think. But is he prosperous? No, because he's going to hell. See, this man was deceived by riches. We have to watch the deceitfulness of riches. Because money and material blessing, as we said at the beginning, can deceive us. And I tell you what, we'll see again as we go. Uh, the love of money and 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 the, the, the spirituality that money that, that, that it can take a hold of people. I tell you, there's so many rich people. Now we'll, this will bear itself out as we go. So many rich people in hell, hell that have gone to hell. But it wasn't the actual money that did it. It was where they placed their trust. And this man was not trusting in God. He was trusting in his money. And riches, no doubt, was telling him, now listen to this as I close, riches were telling him that, the, that, that material wealth could buy him security for the rest of his life. And it, it lied to him and it deceived him, and he didn't know that he just had hours to live when he made that statement. And so this is an example of a man, the parable of the rich fool, but he also was deceived by riches, the deceitfulness of riches. I, I want to tell you this, uh, just uh, something that happened to me. Many years ago, there was a certain man who had received a, a check. And uh, it was, uh, it was uh, 
like an inheritance type of a of a check, a gift uh, 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 check that he had. And uh, he held it up in front of me. And it was a lot of money. It was a check, cashier's check for a, a lot of money, a lot of money, just a lot of money. And he held it up in front of me. And then this particular man, he, he, he had a lot of money to begin with. But he held that check in front of me. And he said, he said, you know what I'm going to do with this? I, I said, no. He said, I'm going to look at it for a few days. He said, I'm going to lay it on my table at home and I'm going to look at it. He said, I have a place in my house where I'm going to, going to, going to put it, you know, in a, in a, a hidden place that only me and my wife will know where it is. And he said, I'm going to keep it for a while. And then he said, then I'm going to go put it in the bank. And then he said, I, 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 he said, I'm not going to, he said, I, I'm probably never going to spend a, a, a penny of this money. And he said, you know what joy this money brings me and what, what gratification it brings me? And I said, no. He said, he said, just knowing that I have it, just knowing that I have it. I'm already doing very well and very secure, but this right here seals the deal and I'll, I, I, I got it made for the rest of my life. Now, when this man told me the story, or the story, this, when this happened, he was in, in midlife. And, uh, one of the last times, one, not the last time, but one of the last times I ever saw him. And, and he told me that. And, uh, and about, I don't know, about eight months later, he was diagnosed with a terminal disease. And lived about six months after that. So within two years of him telling me that, he's dead. And the man I knew was uh, was not a saved man. Now I'm not to judge that maybe God got through to him somehow before he died. But but you see, that money deceived him, and he thought that he was secure with that money for the rest of his life, not knowing that he just he had less than two years to live. Like I said earlier, when I was younger, I didn't have much. Money never really, I never, you know, you had to have it like Jimmy Stewart said, but that was about as far as I went. And my wife and I, we always, and growing up, all my needs were always met. And then we got married. We had some lean times, but then God blessed us. And then, you know, uh, in, in the last decade or so, God's really blessed us. And and uh, thank God for it. Much I could, much I could say about it. But uh, I'm just going to be very open with you here. Um, I wasn't going to say this, but I think the Lord wants me to. Is that that, like I said, you got to watch when when you when you when God's blessed you, you got to watch it. You don't let that money get a hold of you. And there's been times over the last you know decade. where where I've where I've wa- I've I've I have wanted to just relax in the blessing that God has blessed me with, and try to take uh, take my ease, if you will, in that financial blessing, and just 
just rest in it. And, and, and every time, because my, my flesh wants to do, do that, but every time I've done that, I've, I've felt a, 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 like the Apostle Paul, when he wanted to go into a certain area, said the Holy Spirit forbade him. Uh, or Luke wrote that in the book of Acts about Paul. And, and every time I've wanted to take rest in finances, yeah, thank God we need to have them and I'd rather have them than not. I'd rather be rich than poor and we need to have money in the bank and there is a certain a part of having money in the bank and being being restful in that that there's nothing wrong with. But I'm talking about just where I was going to just take that ease that that you know that those finances are there and every time every time just like what that man I told you about just a moment ago. I was going to do what he did, just take that and every time the Holy Spirit has, excuse me, he's, he's forbade me in that. He's arrested me in it. And I'm so glad he has. I'm so glad that he has. I'm being very open with you. But I'm so glad that he has. Because we must not ever take our ease in finances and in money and material wealth. And I'm glad the Spirit of God's forbade me. I've never been able, and in all honesty, there's been a few times I've tried to just just rest in, just rest in the financial blessing. But the Holy Ghost has never let me. Thank God He has it. I, I'm quite convinced that if I ever did that, I wouldn't have much longer to live. No, we don't trust in money. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Let's now. Now I could override the Holy Ghost and do that. And probably die young. But thank God the Holy Ghost is there. And he's helped me. And so we don't trust in, in, in money. We trust in Jesus. The Bible says some trust in chariots, some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And so I tell you what, money can be deceptive. But I'm going to do my best not to let it not deceive me. Let's, let's, don't, let's don't let money deceive us and think it can buy us things that only God can give us. Only God can give us love. Only God can give us joy. Only God can give us peace. Only God can give us true healing and, and all of that. Praise God. Well, I hope this has blessed you today. I, I don't know. I said, got off my notes here and there, but I, I trust being led by the Spirit. Look, next week we'll, uh, we'll pick up. I'll review this rich fool with you, and then we'll go on. We have many other things to say. Well, hey, if you're out there and you don't know Jesus, I want you to repent of your sins. And, and call on Jesus' name. Receive him as your savior and then follow him. You'll miss hell one day. You'll make heaven. You'll be glad you did. And he'll make your life worth living in the meantime. Well, God bless you. I'll see, I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.